Hey, what's up, everyone? You're listening to The Man Reinvented Show. I'm your host, Scott Taylor. I'm a former door-to-door salesman who gave up a six-figure income that I earned in just four months out of the year to pursue my passion of making a bigger impact in the world. This is the podcast where I talk with amazing people making big changes to fulfill their deeper purpose. Let's get into today's episode. All right, everyone. Um, welcome to the Man Reinvented Show. Um, this is my first episode. This has been a long time in the making. I've been wanting to publish like this for a long time. Here it is. I'm here. First show ever. Um, I'm interviewing Alex Enger. Did I say it right? Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> Anyways, Alex is an amazing guy. I met him at a recent event, um, Stephen Larson event. And just an amazing guy. Um, he's a physical therapist. Um, he's a ninja online marketer and has gone through an amazing transformation to get to the point where he's at right now. He's obviously got a lot more where he wants to go. But um, Alex, why don't you just kind of give us your, introduce yourself and give us kind of your, a little brief history of yourself. Scott, first of all, I got to say, I am so dang proud of you for making this show happen, man. It's it's just so cool to have seen your transformation from when we very first met back at Steve Larson's event to now. And I just, I absolutely love that you're doing this. I don't know if you're listening right now, if you could hear it, but Scott just totally lit up when he, when he introduced this show, his face, you you guys couldn't see it if you're listening to the podcast, but his face was just like totally lit up. He absolutely loves this. And dude, I'm so glad that you're doing this, man. Just so freaking glad for you. Um, okay. So introduction, I'm a, I'm a doctor who doesn't practice. (laughs) I'm a, an entrepreneur that works out of my five-year-old's bedroom. And, uh, I love spike ball. And that kind of sums me up. <laughs> um, I, I know I'm just, I'm very non-traditionalist when it comes to how I view living my life. And a lot of the expectations that I felt other people had of me early on um, just didn't match with what I see as being fulfilling in life. And then a lot of the things that I expected that I would do that were just sort of, you know, you go to college, you get the job, you work for 40 years in the job, and then you retire. I started realizing really early on in my career path that that wasn't going to be the route I would take. And I feel really lucky that that dawned on me early on in life. Um, I'm 31. And uh, at the point where, man, I just, I went the route of getting as much formal education as I could because I really believed in that as a principle. And then it opened my mind to the idea that I could kind of do whatever I wanted with my life. And if I was going to design the life that I wanted, well, And I could use all the skills and expertise that I had amassed up to that point. But going forward, I could create what I wanted. And so that's really guided me to the point that I'm at now. And I'm excited to dive into that together, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, One thing that I I forgot to to mention is kind of why I'm doing this podcast, who I'm trying to kind of help. And, you know, I want to interview people that have gone through a transformation. And, And as you've seen with Alex... Um, going through physical therapist school, you graduated, but you haven't worked an hour with your license. You're an online marketer. Dude, how did that all work? I mean, you were going down a path, obviously, like you, you had the eye on the target. You were going down a path that was difficult, going through a, 
you know, you get a doctorate degree to become a doctor. And then all of a sudden you realize I'm going to do something else. <laughs> Can you kind of walk me through? Like, I know you kind of said that you, you don't want to do the 40 years, the career thing, but man, that's, that seems like a really tough decision. Man, I've, I've made a lot of tough decisions and it's, it's something that I, to be honest, I've beat myself up about a lot. I, I really don't anymore. I'm at the point where I'm, I'm far enough down the path of where I want to be that I'm not beating myself up that I took so many turns to get to where I'm at. But initially, man, I was going to be a pilot. Like that was the very first dream. I was going to be a pilot. I had uh, almost, I was almost accepted to the Air Force Academy, went through, jumping through all the hoops to join that. Uh, and then really when I was one step away from it, found out that my eyes weren't good enough to fly. Well, and that was a real hit. I was like, ah, I was thinking the LASIK would, would solve it. And when I realized that, I thought, okay, what can I do that's related to that? I loved weather. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can, I can study weather. So I actually studied meteorology for a while. I have a minor in meteorology. Loved forecasting and doing the whole weather thing. And then after some real introspection, decided that I was going to be bored staring at a computer all day, just thinking about weather models and weather predictions. And I loved connecting with people. I still wanted something that I deemed as prestigious. And I remember one Sunday afternoon sitting down and having one of those introspective moments of what do I want in my life? And as I started looking at, okay, I've got all these options. Then from whether it was going to be neuroscience and I decided I was going to be a brain surgeon. I loved complex things. I loved thinking about, again, weather systems were so complex, aviation's complex. I thought, okay, what's more complex than the human mind? I would love to go in and be a surgeon. It's important, right? I wanted to feel important. I wanted to feel like I had done something valuable in my life. I want to make my parents proud. And so I was going to medical school. And I got down to my very last year in undergraduate, did all the pre-med stuff. I took the MCAT twice. I was very serious about this. And I remember... Another key point in, in my journey was having a conversation with a guy who was in med school, just about to finish and about to start his residency. And he said, if you're not willing to dedicate 80 hours per week for the next 10 years of your life to this profession, then you should really rethink why you're going into it. And just that week, I had found out that we were going to be having my first daughter. And so there was this real feeling of, well, shoot, what's really important to me is being able to be a present dad and husband. And while, yes, I'm interested in brains, what's not interesting to me is throwing away the things that ultimately matter, which is my family relationships, in exchange for pursuing that. So it became really clear that I was not going to be happy being a physician. Now, I get that there are other ways that you can accomplish that and not have to work 80 hours a week. But when I really dug deep, I decided that what was far more important to me was creating a career for myself that allowed me to spend time with my family in the way that I felt like I wanted to. And so I had this jump from, oh crap, I'm about to graduate, degree in biology, and going to go to med school, realized that I didn't want that and had to make a very quick change because <laughs> my wife went to work. And uh, that, that morning when she went to work... And your wife's a nurse, right? She is. She's a nurse. And so this was going to be this amazing thing, right? We were both going to be in the medicine field together. She was going to be a nurse. I was going to be a doctor. And it was going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And the next morning after having had that conversation with my friend, just felt this complete emptiness of what am I going to do? And so I started looking at options and said, okay, I've got almost four years of pre-med requirements done. I do enjoy working with people. 
I love, I, I do enjoy healthcare and helping make people better. And I just looked at my options and said, okay, what have I leveraged? You know, what have I already done in the past? And how can I leverage that moving forward into something I want? And landed on physical therapy. Uh, it took me all of about 45 minutes to decide that, <laughs> uh, which looking back wow. is crazy. I really, wow. I made the decision to get a doctorate degree in about 45 minutes. Um, and I, again, wanted it to be important. I wanted it to feel like I was getting as much education as I could. So it was checking all those boxes, you know? And the first year into PT school, I got into my top choice school. All that stuff felt super guided towards, towards getting in there. There were a bunch of points along the way where anything could have happened. I mean, the day before I was supposed to have all my applications in for PT school, my one professor didn't have her letter in to me and I was sweating bullets. It was Sunday night and I was like, uh, you're going to get this letter in? Totally could have happened that, you know, she wouldn't have submitted that and I wouldn't have gotten in. But I felt like all along the way I was guided. And all through these different changes, as I was beating myself up about the fact that I wasn't where I had thought I would be, and I, I had spent a little bit of extra time in school, I really beat myself up about it, Scott. Like I, I felt really bad about it. I felt like I could have been in a career for two years already by the time I graduated. I felt like I had wasted all this time. But Super now looking... efficient. Totally. <laughs> I, like, dude, why did I take all these detours? Like, and I'm a pretty goal-oriented dude, right? Like I, I push, I drive, but I felt really bad about having made these deviations in life. And then fast forward to my first year of PT school, we're sitting there in cadaver lab where we literally did a full human body dissection top to bottom and super interesting stuff. But then I was starting to realize, man, I don't know if this is what I want long-term either. It's a really bad time and place to be doing that when you're when you're in the middle of a, a very expensive doctoral program, right? And after a year of that, I knew that I was not going to be a practicing clinician forever. And I had this decision to make of, I'm, I'm a third of the way through a doctoral program. I've got two kids at this point. Do I finish the thing or do I bail again and switch directions again, start over again? And I knew that for the sake of finishing what I had started, I had to finish the program. And I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell her for over a year that I absolutely didn't want to be doing what I was going to a doctorate program for. I didn't tell friends. I didn't really even let myself believe that I didn't want to do it. It was your little secret, huh? <laughs> it was. Wow. How the heck did you graduate a doctorate program holding that type of secret in knowing you didn't want to do it? That's difficult, man. <laughs> yeah. Just the sheer grit of just wanting to finish. It was. It really was. And, wow. and really, to be honest, it came down to my dedication to my wife and to my kids and seeing how much my wife had given up for me to go through that program. I mean, she carried us through the whole thing, man. Like she was the one working through the whole thing. And, um, and to, to get to that point and say, guess what, hon, I got to throw it all out. No way I was going to do that. And so I sat there swallowed a little bit of pride and said, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to find something that I love within this field because I know that I do love things within it. And even though it's maybe not exactly what I ultimately envision myself doing, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this happen. And as I started going down that road and every road that I traveled down, I realized a couple of things. One, it's okay to travel down a road and not walk all the way to the end of it. 
Because as you start walking down a road and you start seeing, okay, what does it feel like to go down this road? Then you can get clarity and certainty on whether or not that's the right decision for yourself in life. And man, I've walked down a lot of roads and I haven't gotten to the end of them. Some of them I have. One of them cost me a bunch of money in three years of my life to get a degree that I'm not using right now. But what it has given me is certainty of a little bit of what I don't want. But, but really now that I'm in a place where I do want to be, dude, I'm so locked in with what I'm doing. I know 100% that where I'm at right now is exactly where I want to be or exactly where I should be, exactly what I should be aiming for. So the first thing is it's okay to go down those roads a little bit. Second thing is every time I've walked down one of these new paths, it has added to my story to my skill set, to my understanding, to my empathy. And I'm a better person because of it. And I didn't even get to the point of, you know, how I became a marketer, but all of the experiences that I've had up to this point have very clearly prepared me for what I'm doing right now. And a lot of times we beat ourselves up feeling like we've wasted time. Feeling like... Sorry. So somehow in the whole process of you beating yourself up, where did you make that switch where you started use, utilizing your skills that you were learning in these paths you didn't complete? How, do you, how did you do that? that it, it seems like you've done that. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. That's a really good question. And I actually haven't even thought about I, that. Because I really believe that our biggest trials, our biggest struggles in life, if you flip around and look at it from a different perspective, they can become the best gifts in our life. Mm. But how to do that, that's a difficult thing, you know, but it seems like you've done that. So, you know, it, it really, this whole path to, to now being in digital marketing is something that now I can look back and clearly see what, what were those key points and, and where did I let myself feel okay with my path? Well, because I took so many turns now that I'm doing this and that it's been successful and I'm able to provide for my family and work from home and be present for my kids and let my wife, she still wants to work at the hospital a day a week. Sweet. Do it, hon. I've got the flexibility to make that happen. Now being in the position and having reached so far towards what I ultimately wanted and being able to at least make it work at a, at a level where we feel like we're not in survival mode anymore, past that. And I just have to say, once you get past that point, <laughs> everything just feels worth it. And so for me, honestly, it's, <clears throat> it's really only been in the past year, year and a half that I've finally been okay with all those twists and turns to feel like I've settled on something that is actually using all of my other knowledge. It is actually, I am using my doctorate degree every single day. Because I'm, I'm working with a lot of other healthcare providers. I'm working with a lot of people who I'm doing assessments on like I learned in PT school. But I'm not doing it on their body. I'm doing it on their business. All of those skills now still serve me. And as I realized the fact that, no, I have used those things, that's when I really became okay with it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I think a lot of people that are stuck... Um, you know, in careers, in situations they do not want to be in. They've realized, they've gone down this path. They've invested, 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 and realized ultimately 
I do not want to be here 10 years later. It's that turmoil of man. What do I do now? I have all this skill that I've developed. Do I just throw it out? It's like Michael Jordan retiring after his first, you know, NBA championships, you know, you'd never do that (laughs) in a way. Yeah. Not really. But I mean, I mean, for me, I mean, I've been really good at sales in pest control and on my own business. And, you know, in a way I've felt that way, Mm. but there's these certain things I just cannot, like, I can't settle with myself. And so I'm like, I've got to make a change. And I'm at, I'm at that point, you know, about three years ago, I made, I made, I reached that point in my career where I, I needed to make a change. And that's why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing now. But, uh, I got to be honest, it's still kind of hard. I'm still in that like, okay, I'm figuring it all out phase. So for someone like me, Alex, um, with what I just told you, and a lot of, yeah. my, a lot of my audience, um, I think, are in that same situation, people that are stuck, that want to change, and ultimately become an online marketer. What advice would you give them? Oh, I've got so much. First thing is, first thing is, the grass is not always greener on the other side. The grass is greenest where you water it. And as somebody who feels stuck starts to open themselves up to the idea of doing something different in life, now all of a sudden we get barraged with ads, with messages, with posts from other people of, I'm doing this thing and it's amazing, right? I'm doing drop shipping and it's amazing. Oh, I'm doing, I have a YouTube channel and it's, it's amazing. I'm doing digital marketing for other businesses and it's amazing. And we just keep thinking, Oh, that's the thing. That's the thing. That's the thing. They're successful in it. So that must be what I have to do too. Well, the reality is you can make any of those things work. The hard thing is because you can make any of those things work, you have to decide what ultimately is propelling you deep inside. Because you can make it work if you water the grass where you're at, right? And that's why I say the grass is always greener on the other side. It appears to be. But in reality, it's greenest where you water it. So you can make whatever you want to work, work. That's number one. Number two is, I think that you should have your eyes open early on when you're in this process. I would never have settled where I am right now if I had not been looking for what are other people doing? What are options out there? And starting to explore a little bit in each of those. You know, when I first stumbled on online business, it was through Pat Flynn, through Smart Passive Income. Love that guy. Right? It's like, oh man. So he, for me, was the gateway to all of this. Yeah, for me too. Even before Russell Brunson, I heard about Pat Flynn. Completely. Yeah, I didn't find out about Russell Brunson until two years later. Mm Mm-hmm. And so someone like Pat Flynn finding out, oh, there's someone who's teaching, you know, he's teaching passive income stuff. He was creating courses. He was creating affiliate stuff. And first that opened my eyes to, oh, that's really interesting. And then I found someone else named Ramit Sethi, who I, I bought my first course from. And he taught me how to create an online course. And I opened my eyes to, oh, okay, I could be an affiliate or I could create a course. And then I found someone who's ultimately doing coaching, who is now my mentor. And I saw, oh, I could do coaching. The thing is, there are lots of options out there. There really are. Ultimately, you have the blessing of being able to choose what you want to do in 2019 and beyond. And the key to, to having success in it is to, to dabble, to, be, to honestly 
to mentally go down each of those roads just a little bit. And there's a really good book called Decisive by Chip and Dan Heath uh, that I read about three years ago, maybe two. And it said one of the key takeaways from it was when you're making a decision, it's dangerous to make decisions in isolation. Meaning if you're only deciding, should I do this thing or not? That's dangerous because what you aren't considering is the opportunity cost of doing that thing relative to your other options. Mm-hmm. So the better way to decide is not, should I do this thing or not? It's A, B, or C. And which one and why? Because everything in life has an opportunity cost. If we're pursuing one thing, it means we're saying no to some other things. But if you understand what your options are and you can look at them objectively and say, okay, here's the benefits of A, benefits of B, benefits of C, and the costs of each of those. And you only know that if you go down that road just a little bit, talk to people who, who have gone down those roads, interview them, which is exactly what you're doing, Scott. And, um, and then you can make a better informed decision. Then you know that you can water the grass where you're at, it will become green and you'll ultimately be in a place where you're happiest because you've made the decision that's best for you and not because somebody else has been telling you that it's what you have to do. Beautiful words, man. Good advice. Um, so I want to kind of fast forward a little bit. You've kind of talked a little bit about your, you know, your, your mess that you were in, I guess you can call it. (laughs) Um, where are you at now? Let's hear it. I mean, Lince, what have you accomplished thus far? Um, why do you feel like you are, the stars are aligned, I guess, in your... Man. It's... I've never, ever felt better than I do right now um, in so many senses, physically, spiritually, emotionally, in my relationship with my wife and my family, in my business. Um, and I think the things that have gotten us here are <laughs> having had to pass through all the crap. Um, and is everything in my life perfect? Heck no, man. Like I'm, I'm still working out in my five-year-old's bedroom, dude. I don't I have it, this man. amazing office. I like, love it when you made that post on Facebook. <sighs> oh, that was so cool. <laughs> oh, well, so I have a really sweet home office setup. I really do. Like I've got these dual monitors. I've got my podcasting mic right here. I've got my desk with all my stuff. I've got my bookshelf. And then behind it is my kid's bed and like all her clothes and her little toy purses. And that's the reality for me. So is it all perfect? Heck no. Am I exactly where I want to be? No. But am I, on, am I enjoying the journey to it? I'm really finally letting myself say yes to that. Um, so where are we at right now? Right now, I have a business that uh, we're bringing in multiple six figures per year, which is cr- absolutely crazy to me to think about, man. Like I just, it still blows my mind. Um, I have a business partner who's just an amazing friend, a really, really solid, solid guy, very good entrepreneur. Uh, absolutely love working with him. We don't have a team in place right now, which that's really where our weakness is as a business. But it also means that, like, hey, we're running a lean business, we're running a very lean business, which is super cool. I don't think you can run as lean a business anywhere else as you can online. And so that means that we're able to, to take more from it individually, right? Uh, supporting my family. Uh, this year will be the first year where I'll really outpace what I could have earned as a doctor of physical therapy, which is exciting. I can feel like I'm take-home pay is, is at, at this point far better than what I could have gotten in the clinic. And we waited through two years almost of not really taking nearly the income that I could have as a PT. So this feels really darn good. So it's been um, two years since you graduated then. 
Almost exactly. Yep. I graduated in May of 2017 and we're May 2019. So almost exactly. I'd have to look at it. It might even be to the day, but yeah, two years. How long ago. would it have taken you to outpace where you're at now as a physical therapist? There's no way I could have. No, no. And that's why I got 15, 20 years. Never. Couldn't have period. Wow. Be- because maybe, maybe my exact income right now this month. Yes. And probably could have, but total for this year, like there's, there's such an income cap with traditional jobs, which is why I ultimately saw like, Oh man, if I'm going to do this is dude, PT's coming out of school average in Utah, 60 grand as a doctor. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's not not that spectacular to make a hundred grand as a physical therapist. You're doing really well for yourself. And you're also working your guts out in, in home health or something else, or you've been in a position for a while where you're probably five years into it and you're a clinic director and you have other things going on. You're in a sweet spot. So can it happen? Yeah. But my income potential, my ceiling as an entrepreneur is far higher than it would be as a physical therapist. Um, but did I have to, as Gary B says, eat dirt for a while? <laughs> totally. <laughs> dirt and ramen, man. <laughs> Beans and rice. <laughs> oh, beans and rice. <laughs> well, that's amazing, Alex. I mean, I mean, partly wh- why I want to do this show is, you know, find those people that are stuck. Yeah. Like you've been like, I feel now or have felt in the last three years, but also kind of open their mind a little bit to what the potential is. Why this online thing? Um, why do you think online is such an amazing opportunity? Like other than the fact that you just outpaced the income that you would have had like in an entire career of PT in two years. Yeah. Other than that fact, we already know that, but why, why, why else have you chosen this type of business? Freedom, man. I think that's Freedom. why. I, <laughs> Freedom, baby. Like I, I uh, is my ideal situation working out of my kid's bedroom? No. But does it allow me to serve people in a way that I want to and create programs that I want and to, to directly help the people that I want? Yeah. Does it mean that I have control over how I spend my day? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it's the fact that I'm on calls with clients all day. I still have to still doing that, but I love it. And I love the people that I'm working with. And so for me, could I achieve working with people that I loved working with and meaningfully helped in physical therapy? Heck yeah, I totally could have. But this allows me to, to work how I want, to work when I want, and with who I want. And that's incredibly fulfilling. The feeling of building your own thing and having a business that's totally providing for my family that two years ago nobody even had a thought of dude it's so incredibly rewarding to like have the project have the vision in mind and then go make that thing happen oh so fulfilling and just feeling like i am fulfilling my life's purpose i am fulfilling my potential i'm working towards it am i there yet no but am i where i need to be right now yes and i'm working towards that potential and that feeling more than anything is why i'm doing this yeah, I call it a whisper um, in the back of my head that mm. when, I'm, when I feel stuck and then I'm in a job that I hate, it's a, it's a whisper that says you can do more, you can be more, you can give more. And I know that. I know it's possible. And when I feel stuck in that situation, man, I'm not happy until I go figure out what that is. 
find my passion, find my purpose. Um, you know, I really, I really believe that we're, we were put here on this earth for a purpose and we we're not just given the answers. We need to find it. We need to seek for it. And I love what you just said. Um, all of what you said, it's amazing. So that's, that's kind of why I'm doing this as well Is I want to help people help find their passion, find their purpose. You can have whatever passion or purpose, you know, whatever that is. Online business is just like a times 10 times a hundred multiplier for whatever your passion is. Wouldn't you agree? Totally. And I, I think the, the interesting thing is, as I was, as I was getting early on into this, I just had no clue what that actually looked like. So when someone says, you know, decide what you're passionate about and go build it. It's like, oh, wait, wait, what does that even mean? How, like how, what? I think it's really interesting just to see, you know, when I talk about go explore business models, I just want to share what our business model is. And it's not, it doesn't mean that this is what your business model has to be if you're listening, but now we've seen a lot of different ones. And now it's really clear to me which one was the best for us. But early on, it was like, dude, what? Like, should I write a book and become an author? Like, how does that work? Do I become like an affiliate marketer? How does that work? Do I create a course? What does that look like? Do I, am I like a consultant? And I think it's really confusing early on. So it actually really helped me for people to break down what their business structure was, how they actually made money and how we actually make money as a business. We started a Facebook group. That was the very first place where we really started growing online. Started a Facebook group. It was very niche specific. So I, we picked physical therapy marketing. That was the very first place that we started. And we grew a group. It's got uh, almost 2,400 people in it right now. And so our business looks like this. We, we make connections with people online through our Facebook group. We create content in there. We give trainings in there. We answer questions in there. And then I talk to people on Messenger. I go to conferences. I connect with people. Like I connected with you, Scott. Uh, I reach out to people who I want to have on a podcast. We, we interview them. So I'm, I'm building relationships. So for me, Facebook is the vehicle to build relationships. There's a lot of ways you can do that. And then we figure out what do the people want who we have a relationship with? And then we say, what program can we create that satisfies that desire? So for us, our business is based on right now, kind of a hybrid coaching slash course system, where in the past we sold courses. So, hey, physical therapists, what do you need? We want marketing. We want to know how to get new patients into our business. Awesome. We'll create something for that. So we created a course to teach them how to get patients into their clinics using Facebook ads. And the first year of our business was selling that course. That's how we actually made money. We host it on, online. It's a video course. We make videos and we sell access to those videos and to a private group. That's how we first made money as a business. Uh, and then you can look at, you know, maybe do some, some of that marketing for other people. We've done some of that too. Now our business looks different because once we started having success in that, we started having people come to us asking, how do you do that online? How do you create an audience? How do you curate a product? And so we started seeing that need. And, uh, and that's ultimately the group that we wanted to be working with, which is what we're doing now. And um, I just think it's so interesting to see your expertise, your knowledge is valuable to other people, whether or not you think it is. As you foster that expertise and find a group of people that you can help with it, then it opens up opportunities to ask them, hey, what do you need? Where are you stuck? 
And then you can provide that in the form of a course, in the form of affiliate products. When you say, hey, you know, so-and-so has this thing I think would be really useful for you. There's this ClickFunnels software that'd be really useful. Go, go grab it. Or coaching. Say, hey, I've got a program or I'm going to be taking people through for six weeks of how to do this thing. And we're going to have 10 people together. Let's do it. And ultimately then as you figure out what people want and create it for them, that's what allows you to get paid. And that's what allows all this stuff to actually happen and for it to work. And early on, I didn't understand any of that, man. So how long did it take you guys to grow your Facebook page to 2,500? It's been open for about a year and a half. We got to our first 500 within about six months. And that's, we didn't sell anything in there until we had 500 people. Not by choice. It was, it was more just people started asking us when we were actually going to create something that they could buy. Because <laughs> we were wow. giving so much value in there. People said like, when can I buy something from you? How can I pay you? And we literally had people just wanting to pay us. And it's like, I don't know. I didn't intend for it to be this business. Didn't start off with it like that. We just started off giving to people. And so it took six months before we made our first penny in there. And when we did, we had a five-figure launch, we made about just over $10,000 uh, with our first product. And it was because we'd just given so much to our audience. And then it got to 1,000 people a few months later, and the growth's just been pretty steady. It's, we don't even have that big of an audience, if you think about it. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. I mean, with making that kind of money with that, I mean, that's relatively a small audience compared to mm-hmm. some groups out there that I've seen. Totally. But, you know, I think... Why do you think that is? Why do you think that's been the, the success that you've had? Why, why, is, why are those numbers the way they are? Yeah. A lot of it comes from our mentor who also has a small audience and has a seven-figure business. Um, but it's in how we interact with people and how we view our business. I'm not in this anymore. I was at first. I thought that we were going to be all about passive income. I'm not in this for passive income right now. I'm not at that stage of my business yet. I'm at the stage of highly serving people to help them solve their problems. So because of that, early on, we got on lots of calls with people. And to be honest, I I got to the point where I resented it a little bit. We're getting on all these free calls and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not charging you a thing. I should. But that early goodwill set us up to have really strong relationships with people. Those people, when we offered products, when we offered services, were quick to buy because they knew how much we cared about them as people and not just potential money-making opportunities. And so if I could say anything to people who are just starting an audience, it's really simple. Care about your people. (laughs) We have an audience of just over 2000 and a a business that's, you know, we're, we're in the past 12 months. I I hate throwing numbers around, man. I just want to preface this for a second. I only talk about numbers because I value radical transparency. And for the first six months, we made $0. The next, after that, we made 10,000. And then it took us like another four months before we really made another penny. So like full honesty here, right? But we made our first six figures when we really only had like 1,300 people in the group. Those small numbers don't mean that you have to have a small business. If you take care of them, small numbers are a great thing because it means you can have intimate connections with people and really solve problems at a high level. And that's how you can deliver a business of six figures without having an audience of a hundred thousand people. So uh, that's an aside, man, but it's just so cool. What happens when you allow yourself to be pushed towards what you're feeling? Yeah. 
Yeah. And it, and basically got to kind of um, wrap it up in a nutshell, you guys did kind of a market approach. You asked your market, you asked your audience what they wanted, those free calls over and over that you kind of almost resented a little bit. <laughs> that, that'd be hard for six months, you know, but you asked them what they wanted and ultimately gave them what they wanted and they bought. Yeah. And, and it the, delivered the, an amazing value to them. Uh, yeah, I hope. <laughs> um, but I, the interesting thing is you can get on those free calls and not listen to the right things and still not make traction. Mm-hmm. It, it took conscious listening to what they were telling me and then going back and thinking about, okay, what have people been telling me? What are common themes that they say that they want? What are common things about where they say that they are? What are common things about their why? You know, why are they reaching out to me? Why do they want to try to get to X destination? And then what are the things that are standing in their way? And you have to consciously think about that. If you're going to make a business out of it, just getting on the conversations isn't enough. You have to, you have to make a consolidated effort to, to listen well. Okay. So what, what is your next step in your business? Like where, what, what's the next benchmark, I guess I should say. That's, that's a tough one. The next benchmark is really for us to start letting go of a lot of stuff that we've done ourselves because we've done everything in our business up to this so point. VAs. VAs. And we have, we have them on, on staff now. We've got two that are actively working with us and we're going to have a lot more soon. Um, but at this stage in our business, our time is almost maxed out. And um, in order to grow, you have to, you have to free up some time. We have to start saying goodbye to a few tasks that we have always done uh, because our business has been built on teaching people how to technically do the marketing. Okay. Here's how to set up the Facebook ad. Here's how to do the video editing. Here's how to set up the Facebook group. It's, it's almost a little bit like, Oh, can we give that up? Cause that's what we're teaching people. But at the same time, it's, it's about creating systems for us. So that's really the next benchmark is who can we bring in that will free up our time to be able to focus on customers and new customer acquisition moving forward. Grow a team. That's awesome. Well, um, I've been really edified by this. This has been awesome. Alex, I've learned some things that I didn't know before. Um, I just, I think kind of a few of the takeaways um, right now, unless you have anything else to add, but a few of the takeaways that I've thought of is, you know, at first when you're not, when you don't know what you're passionate about, what you want to do and you go down those roads, um, you know, try a a bunch of different things out. If you ultimately don't know what you want to do. I I love that. Let yourself try it. Um, and don't try not to beat yourself up if you decide to change tracks, but take those skills, focus on those skills that you've utilized in the process and apply them to your new thing that you've chosen to do. That's, that's one of the biggest takeaways, I think. Um, and then also learning how to, you know, to take your trials and turn them into your greatest gifts. You know, that's part of that. So, but, um, and man, it's, a, it's amazing what you guys have done. I'm, I'm blown away, man. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of people that, um, that want to do this online thing and, uh, you know, you, you, you dug through the trenches for quite a while, six months without making any money. That's amazing. And a lot more before that, that came building underground uh-huh. before we even started the darn group. And that's, 
that's just part of life, right? Is you build up momentum enough to the point where people do want to work with you, do want to pay you. And in the meantime, like it, it takes some, some work, some grinding, some hustle. And that's why, that's why whenever I talk to someone now, I still suggest that you've got to do something that's going to make you money in the meantime while you're building. Because there's going to be this building phase where you're not going to be able to harvest right away. You just can't. The law of the harvest says that I have to plant, I have to nurture, and then I can harvest. So give yourself some space while you're planting and nurturing those seeds. Stay at your nine to five job if that's what it takes. Take on another side hustle that, that can make you income right now. Free yourself up to be able to, to have patience to be able to see the harvest to fruition. Because otherwise, there's going to be this constant pressure of, oh no, it's not making money. And that's going to make you take bad roads. Because if you're only in it for the money, you're not going to be making the right decisions for your people. And if you can have something on the side, heck, I was video editing on the side. I had a doctorate degree in physical therapy and I was making money video editing to float us to the point where this could become a full-time thing. And in retrospect, should I have been treating patients? Eh, probably, but I didn't. And we got through it just fine. And I had a unique situation and a wife who was very understanding, very patient <laughs> and got it to work. Um, but don't feel like it's an all or nothing proposition. Good advice. Good advice. Well, um, I'd like to end this. Um, how do people, how does, how does my audience um, get in touch with you? I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are in the healthcare um, providing area that would like to learn how to grow, you know, blow up their business or how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, man. Uh, easiest place is probably directly on Facebook. If you're on there, reach out to me, friend me. My, again, my name's Alex Engar. I'm on there on Facebook, but uh, if that's hard to search for, just go to our website, healthyfunnel.com. And uh, if you're someone who's interested in growing an audience online, figuring this whole thing out, uh, that's, that's who we specialize in helping. Awesome. Okay. Well, if you guys uh, feel the need to touch out with me or reach out with Alex, he's awesome. I know I've reached out with him a lot and asked him questions about Facebook and different things. And he's just been more than happy to, to help me along the way. And I'm super grateful for it. Alex, you're an amazing guy. I love you to death. You're, you're such a cool guy. What you've been able to accomplish is amazing and uh, I'm really grateful for you. So everyone out there that's listening, listening to the podcast or watching this, um, this uh, interview, um, take notes. Um, this is, this is kind of is what it takes guys. Um, I want to inspire people to find your passions, figure out what you're, you're put on this earth for. If you feel stuck, listen to these, these, uh, these shows. If you liked what you heard here and they're going to, I'm going to have more and more and more. Um, obviously I'll get better and better at doing this. this is my first one ever. Um, but yeah, go to my Facebook group. It's called man reinvented and, and join in. Um, it's a private group, but, uh, go join it. Um, there'll be a lot more to come. And if you know anyone that's stuck in a situation where they where they hate their career, they want to change, they want to go online, then point them my way. We'd love to to have them have them join with us and follow my journey as I go along this process to become an online marketer myself. 
So Alex, um, any last words? Scott, you just rock. Everyone who's listening right now, look at this guy, follow his example. Look at him taking action on this stuff. I just love it. And Scott, it's so fun to see you just totally light up as you're getting into this, man. This is what you're meant to do. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. There's one thing I like, I want to end with, and it's, you've said it a lot. It's action, perfect, or what you you said, Alex. Imperfect action always beats perfect inaction. Absolutely. Imperfect action always beats perfect inaction. Let that settle in a little bit. That's an amazing statement, mantra, whatever you want to call it. I love that. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take massive action. Um, it's hard pushing myself outside my comfort zone. I've done lives like crazy and some of them suck guys. Some of us have really sucked, but I don't care because no one's listening. Right. But I'm trying to learn to gain my, to I'm learn to step in my voice and figure out what, I, what I'm all about. And that's kind of part of this process too. Um, so anyways, Go out, take some action, guys. Um, Learn to live with passion. And until the next time, peace.